Hello and welcome to the first podcast for a new Lancet journal, that is the Lancet Diabetes and Endocrinology. I'm Richard Lane. Now TLDE, as we call it in the trade, is actually not due to launch until August this year, August 2013, but is already busy publishing content online ahead of its launch in August. And an article being published on Tuesday, February the 26th is very interesting and it concerns the evaluation of a newborn screening program in Sweden for congenital adrenal hyperplasia. A few days ago, I spoke to one of the authors about this paper, and here she is introducing herself. Anna Nordenström. I'm an assistant professor and um, consultant in pediatrics at the Karolinska in Stockholm. Dr. Nordenström, many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet Diabetes and Endocrinology. You're one of the authors of a research article, and this is looking at a screening program in Sweden for congenital adrenal hyperplasia. Now, before we go into details of the study, and very interesting it looks too, how would you define congenital adrenal hyperplasia, and why did Sweden implement a universal screening program in the 1980s? Congenital adrenal hyperplasia is uh, an inherited disorder. The most common form is 21-hydroxylase deficiency. It leads to decreased production of cortisol and at the same time increased production of androgens in the adrenal glands. It affects about 1 in 10,000 or 1 in 15,000 newborns. In severe cases, production of aldosterone is decreased. This may lead to life-threatening salt crisis already in the neonatal period. The increased androgen production causes virilization of the external genitalia, and therefore girls with the age may be born with ambiguous genitalia. In milder forms, the amount of cortisol and aldosterone is sufficient, and the patient may be diagnosed later in life with signs of androgen excess. In children with accelerated growth and signs of puberty, and in adults with irregular menstruation or infertility. Congenital adrenal hyperplasia was included in the newborn screening program in Sweden in 1986. This was possible since a method to determine 17OHP, the biochemical marker for the disease, had become available in the 1970s. The severe form of CH is a lethal disease that may escape clinical detection especially in boys, since they don't have any obvious clinical signs. The aim was to avoid salt crisis and possible neonatal death. It was thought all along that the girls were detected clinically due to the virilization of the external genitalia. This current study, tell us why the need for the study and and how did you go about it? What were your objectives here? What are you trying to set out to achieve? This study was made possible by a number of factors. Uh, Sweden is a small country with a limited number of pediatricians and endocrinologists. We have a long history of registry-based research, and genetic verification of the disease by CYP21A2 mutation analysis was clinically routine in Sweden already in 1990s. This made it possible to record and report all new cases of congenital adrenal hyperplasia. Before this introduction of the screening, a retrospective study was conducted where we collected all known cases in Sweden at the time. All these factors made it possible to set up a registry that covers virtually all CH patients known in Sweden since the beginning of the 1900s. This was a unique opportunity and we wanted to describe how the patient's situation have changed with the improvements in the medicine that have taken place during the past century. In the beginning, CH was an almost unknown disease with high mortality and morbidity. The situation for patients with CH obviously changed dramatically after 1950 when effective treatment with hydrocortisone was implemented. 
And we also wanted to see if newborn screening increased the survival rate in children with the so severe salt-losing forms. Looking at the case rates of congenital adrenal hyperplasia before and after screening, what did you find? Were there any unexpected results? The detection rate of congenital adrenal hyperplasia increased dramatically already during the 60s and 70s. We interpret this as being an effect of the introduction of treatment in the 50s. This led to increased survival in diagnosed cases, but probably also to an increased awareness of CAH among physicians. Physicians may be more motivated to find the patients and diagnose a disease when there is a treatment. After the introduction of newborn screening, the proportion of patients with salt-losing CAH increased significantly. This was, of course, positive, but the unexpected finding was that the result showed that both boys and girls were missed by physical examination before and that newborn screening improved survival in both sexes. Up until today, female preponderance in a population of patients with CAH has been attributed to neonatal deaths in boys with severe forms. In our material, it is the effect of more frequent diagnosis of milder forms in women. The late diagnosed patients with milder forms of CAH are mostly women since they seek medical attention due to androgen excess. Based on these data from your Swedish study, does screening have the potential to improve the quality of life and actually to save lives then? The answer is definitely yes. Boys and girls benefit from newborn screening. The survival rate in severe cases is improved. But in addition, patients with milder forms that are diagnosed early avoid being stigmatized by the disease by the increased androgen production. I assume, therefore, that you believe that the, the Swedish newborn screening program introduced in the 80s has been a success? Yes, particularly in increasing the survival rate, but also in reducing the risk of salt crisis in the neonatal period, which, if not lethal, may lead to neurological damage and possibly intellectual disabilities. This is a clear example of how a screening program can work in a small country admittedly like Sweden and obviously based on the fact as you mentioned at the beginning that you have such strong registry data in Sweden which must be an enormous help when trying to run a study like this. How do you think other countries can learn from the Swedish experience? I think the important message is that both boys and girls benefit from newborn screening for congenital adrenal hyperplasia also in a country like Sweden with a rather developed healthcare system. Clearly the screening program has been a success, has been effective in Sweden. Just in terms of generalizability to other health systems, bear in mind that other countries or other health systems may not be as developed as Sweden's, the populations may be different, the resources may not be as good as they are in Sweden, and the very well-organized registry data may not be available. So am I being harsh to suggest that it might be more difficult to replicate your success in other healthcare settings? Well, Provided that uh, the country has an ongoing screening program for any disease, and many countries do, for, for example, congenital hypothyroidism or PKU, I think less developed countries may benefit even more, or the patients with CAH in less developed countries may benefit even more from the newborn screening. A fascinating study. Pleasure talking to you. That's Dr. Anna Nordenstrom on the line from the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm in Sweden. Many thanks indeed for talking to the Lancet Diabetes and Endocrine.